bitches. If no one told you they love you today, then I love you because you're you. Who else are you going to be? I have my friend, director, producer, editor, everything, Peter Fitzgerald, who's coming to the Morning Bitches podcast. I'm so excited. And I just can't hide it. How are you? I'm terrific. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored. Uh, I love your presence on TikTok. It's so much fun. And uh, you're, you're just, uh, you've been for years that I've known you. Uh, such a such a joy, always a joy, and an advocate and an ally to us gays. So I appreciate that very much. Well, you know, you're gorgeous, and I used to say, oh, if he was only straight. But uh, remember <laughs> that? But you know, with some of my experiences, if you saw that interview the guy did, because, you know, I always tried to turn gay men straight, but that never worked. <laughs> so at least I gave it a shot, right? <laughs> so, so tell me about you. I'm so impressed. Every time I would watch TCM, I see your name. I go, I wonder if this is the same person, and it is and was. So tell us all about you. Well, you know, I'm a, a theater queen from childhood. I was uh, the little kid who was uh, in the library checking out the books on the performing arts and the movies and puppets and all that stuff, while the other boys were checking out books on race cars and you know, all the straight things. So uh, the clues come, you know, came very early for me. Uh, and then uh, I got into performing, dancing and singing. And uh, right out of high school from the jump, I had to get out of very backward Orange County where I grew up. And uh, I yeah. somehow managed to uh, see an audition for the show A Chorus Line, which was on tour at the time, the New York production on tour. And, uh, and I... Got on a plane for the first time in my life and flew to Vegas and auditioned for it. And I got it, which was uh, shocking. And, what uh, part did you play? Tell me. Uh, I was a swing. I covered the roles of Bobby and Greg. And I also played uh, Boy with the Headband and some of the earlier uh, things. And uh, did it on the road for about 16 months. And then uh, on one night on Broadway when it became the longest <laughs> running Broadway show. Oh, my God. I just tell you one sidebar about my experience. My piano player, my musical director, one of my first was Franny Liebergall, who, oh, was, yeah. Marvin, who was Marvin Hamlish's assistant. And, oh, my God. And I got to see the opening. She got me tickets, gave me tickets. And, oh, my God, like wow. in 76, before I moved out or whenever it was on 75, 76, and she was amazing. God bless her. She has MS now, and she's living oh. in the actors back east. That's a sidebar. So let's forget about me. Let's talk more about you. So, yeah, I had a performing career. Uh, I moved to New York when I was 19 after the tour, and uh, I New York suddenly was dying because everybody, you know, was dying of AIDS. You know, Michael Bennett, the great Michael Bennett, uh, uh, died and was sick, and people were disappearing. People I knew that were, you know, other actors in their 20s were suddenly skeletons and walking around with uh, oxygen and uh, mm. with And uh, so mm. New York was suddenly dying when I got there. Um, and the shows were few and far between. And uh, I kind of starved my way through it until I started to do uh, Radio City Music Hall. And then I did uh, the Christmas Spectacular I did for a few years as the Gold King. And uh, <laughs> 
and then uh, uh, I did uh, a lot of industrials. That's what really got me going. And I did like six in one year. I uh, it was crazy. So I kind of burnt out on industrials. And uh, I was in love with a guy, and I thought he was going to join me because I wanted to leave New York and uh, and come back to the West Coast where I grew up. And uh, I came, and he didn't, and uh, he was like the love of my life. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, but uh, then uh, about 1990, um, he had found somebody else he was with, and they were uh, on the. Uh, they were moving to San Francisco, and uh, he got off the plane and uh, died of AIDS. Um, and it was the greatest blow of my young life. It was uh, like it was a war, anyway. So I, when I moved back to LA, I thought things were going to be a little different. No, all of my friends there died. It was just uh, mm. I'm sorry to be a drag. This is my no, story. No, you're right. So many of my friends died too. That's not a drag. That's reality. Yeah, it was reality. It was a horrible reality. And one that I'm glad, I'm really glad the younger generation of uh, LGBTQ don't have to deal with uh, yes. the, the death of so many young people uh, with, with so much promise. And older people, too. We lost a generation, pretty much. I know. I feel like the sole survivor, in a way. Uh, but there are lots of others, too, you know. And we all carry with us uh, that history. And... Uh, Anyway, so uh, I came back to Los Angeles and I continued to do some acting, but my heart really wasn't in it after a while. And I got an opportunity to work behind the scenes uh, for MGM Home Video doing laser disc releases. And I was really adept at it because I was, again, a theater queen from a very young age. So I knew all those movies and the ones I didn't know, I learned about by putting out these laser discs. Mm. <laughs> this is ancient history. <laughs> and uh, and uh, then the opportunity came to produce. Uh, uh, I was a musical aficionado, uh, along with a friend of mine. We co-produced uh, the third of the That's Entertainment films. This was called <gasps> That's Entertainment Three, and I got <gasps> to work my heroes. I got to work with Gene Kelly and oh. Ann Miller and Esther Williams, Sid Charisse, uh, you know Lena Horne. Which, which is my big get, you know, I'm the one that reached out to her. I really wanted her. The other producers, you know, were like sort of okay with it. But it's to me the best part of that movie is when she talks about the discrimination that she dealt with. And uh, it was not a dream factory for her, um, it, you know. But uh, I think we really gave her her due. And uh, she was marvelous, really tough, really, really tough. Uh you could see that she carried her history with her as well. Hmm. Um, uh, and uh, I was sometimes the brunt of her anger, um, um, you know, when we were working together, because she really did carry that with her. Uh, and for good reason, I honor that. I, hmm. you know. But uh, she asked me, you know, what do you care about all this black stuff? You're white. And... Uh, when wow. I took out my wallet and I showed her the picture of my two nephews that my sister, who's a lesbian, adopted, both of which are black, African-American and uh, or black. And uh, I showed her, I said, this is why, you know, they need to know their history. And she said, oh, Peter, thank heaven you're here. Oh, and that's the moment that we had our bond. So uh, 
that there were lots of other amazing experiences on that movie, working with Debbie Reynolds and all those people. And uh, I became friends with some of the MGM girls. Um, and I used to squire them around town. I was their walker. You know, I took Ann Miller out to Chasen's and I took, uh, you know, all these people. I saw them at the academies, the Cherise and Esther Williams and I were, were very buddy, buddy for a while. And, um, uh, yeah, that was a, an amazing experience. And from there, it sort of was a springboard. Uh, the, the movie was a flop, by the way, like nobody went, um, the, plus, the I studio, saw it though anyway. But. Yeah, the studio dumped it basically. They only made mm. two prints of the movie. They didn't send it out to, for people to even have the opportunity to see. Mm. And uh, and so the studio really was responsible for it not succeeding. And um, anyway, um, uh, from there it was a springboard onto doing documentaries on classic film, which, which nobody knew at the time was going to be a thing because. You know, there wasn't the DVD documentary yet when they had these additional features that they would put on a DVD about the making of the movies or about the movies themselves. And I was one of the pioneers of the DVD documentary. So uh, I started working with uh, Warner Brothers, Warner Home Video, uh, and uh, I made some of the earlier uh documentaries like uh, on Hitchcock's North by Northwest I did and uh, which also a TCM co-production that was on TCM and so I kind of forged a relationship there and I started to do a lot of those and then the time came when TCM and I really you know buddied up and we made a documentary called Joan Crawford the Ultimate Movie Star. Love that still love it still watch it whenever it's on. Thank you. Thank you. I love it too. It's, you know, I, I never had kids. Uh, you know, I never really had a significant partner after that guy died. And, uh, so my kids are really my documentaries, my shows, mm -hmm. which is great, which is a wonderful thing mm -hmm. to have. It's a real mm -hmm. legacy. You know, when I see my name on the screen, I know, well, you know, years from now, if we don't annihilate ourselves, people are going to see that. And, you know, that, that's my legacy. That's my, my deal. So I made dozens and dozens of documentaries for mm. the DVD releases of all these classic old movies. And we were able to kind of tell the truths about some of the LGBTQ people who were in the movie business making those wonderful uh, musical MGM musicals and Warner Brothers uh, women's pictures. I did a lot of those. Mm. I did a series on the, some of Joan Crawford's films uh, <clears throat> for for uh, Warner Brothers, Warner Home Video, now called A Woman's Face. I love that movie. A Woman's Face of that movie. Yeah. Oh. yeah, 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 yeah. She did some really interesting things at MGM, but my personal favorites are the ones she did at Warner Brothers. Like oh yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, Humoresque, I think, is the best acting she ever did. In her yes. Movie, uh, at that time. But the damn don't cry. Damn don't cry. I love that movie where she's finally like a criminal. You know, she's finally I among the criminal elements. <laughs> she was based on uh, what was the name of that gangsters mall? Who, who mm, the one who died? Oh, Bugsy Siegel's girlfriend. That's exactly, and she was based on that. And oh. uh, yeah, and I did a, a whole bunch of stuff on the great, great MGM musicals. I got to work with Debbie Reynolds again, making a documentary on the making of Singing in the Rain, mm. and, which was a joy of my life because 
as a little, little kid, the first time I ever saw Singing in the Rain, my life changed. Mm. Um, they had a thing in Los Angeles called the 330 Movie. I think they had it in New York, too. ABC's 330 Movie. Hmm. And they would have MGM Musicals Week or Beach Party Week or whatever. And uh, and MGM Musicals Week, for me, just absolutely changed my life. Mm. And me up to that wonderful, fantastical, exciting, colorful world. People mm. never reference that stuff nowadays, though. It's interesting. Like, it hasn't made its transition to uh, either younger gays or the, the general public. They just don't connect with the MGM musical, I think because of the cynicism that, mm. that became so popular in the in the 80s and uh, in the 70s, 80s and throughout, you know. Yes. I think seeing the fruits of that change in taste uh, to this day, I mean, uh, the, the kind of cynicism we see in, in uh, the taste of modern film. Uh, has mm. really, I think, changed the public. I don't think it's reflected the public. I think it's changed the public. Mm. I'm not an old fuddy-duddy. I mean, I love a lot of great movies. Uh, I still love a wonderful woman's picture, like Tar last year, I think, was one of the mm. great, great films of the year. Um, and uh, and there are some wonderful movies. I loved Air recently. It was absolutely mm -hmm. But anyway, I did all those things, and then... Uh, after the recession, 2008, the bubble burst, and the whole DVD market collapsed. Mm. And with it, that career. <laughs> <laughs> and TCM's budgets went under. <clears throat> so I ended up working as a TV editor on uh, some interesting shows. I did a whole bunch of stuff like Shark Week. Uh, mm. I just editing because I'd learned to edit my own shows as a producer right. over the years. So, uh, and then the pièce de résistance of editing uh, television was the reality show called Dance Moms. Oh my god! Oh my god! Moms, and I, you know, I think I may have signed an NDA to say I can't really talk about the show, but then uh, don't talk about it if you I can. Won't. Someday you and I will maybe have a, a dance yeah. mom. Oh my God, that woman. Okay, I'm just going to say that. Yeah. That's it. Well, I will say in an overall way, some of the people on the show, we had to make look nicer than they actually are. Um. <laughs> because these people are worse than what you saw on the show. Right. I won't say anymore. Okay, good. Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay, <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. So then uh, I went through that uh, that wonderful uh, uh, experience of being an you know on call editor, and uh, and here I am. I mean, uh, I now let's talk about what you're doing now, which I, I love. Thanks. How does it happen, Sisters of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence? indulgence. Um, recently had a big media moment when they were honored by the Dodgers. Um, uh, yeah. The Dodgers heard from Marco Rubio, yeah. who is that storied human being um, that uh, made a big, big noise about it and uh, called the Dodgers and had the Catholic League, which actually cons consists of basically one, um, one, Former priest who's not really recognized by the by the uh, Catholic Church any longer, allegedly. Uh, so uh, and a few other people and a very small minority 
made a very big stink. The Dodgers rescinded their invitation for the sisters. And then the LGBTQ community jumped on the Dodgers and said, hold, hold the phone. These people have done service for our community, serving uh, gay elders, uh, LGBTQ people with HIV. From the very beginning, when the government wasn't showing up, the sisters were there, you know. Mm. Uh, and uh, they do things for gay uh, homeless youth. Uh, they are absolutely a joy to be around, and they're also just a hoot. You know, they're a lot of fun. I'll bet. And for, you know, all these years, 30 years, you know, the L.A. chapter, I believe, is uh, either 27 years, uh, 27 years, yeah. And uh, uh, the sisters in San Francisco are more than 30 years. And uh, so they've been there for us all this time. And so the community jumped on uh, the Dodgers and said, you can't rescind this invitation. These people have been there for us the whole time. And so the Dodgers re-invited the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence L.A. chapter. This is just for the L.A. chapter, Mike. Not the, you know, the total of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, of whom there are over 50 chapters. Wow. Who knew? Throughout the world, yeah. It's not a rare occurrence to have a Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, some in some very remote places. And uh, so then the shit hit the fan, so to speak. Uh, after the sisters were disinvited and then re-invited, um, the Catholic Church went on high alert over it, citing that they were being discriminated against, that this is Catholic bigotry, and that the sisters are um, are somehow... How do I put this? I forget. I'm, I'm, I'm so in this project right now, I, I'm a little scattered. But uh, so they think that somehow the sisters are uh, denigrating Catholicism mm. by dressing the way they do with the drag. Now, the only thing about the drag is that it looks like very outdated drag uh, sisters, nuns, outfits, because they don't wear that stuff anymore. They and don't? No, no. Uh, not the, the giant headpieces and the, the crazy kind of two bra, a bra on your head kind of thing. That's mm -hmm. from the medieval time. Um, that nuns used to wear that. It is a theatrical, uh, and very funny, uh, kind of drag because it's in whiteface. And, uh, and it's extremely gay. I mean, <laughs> it's I hope so. Extremely gay. And so I think that the church saw this and somehow in their backward way have they, um, their homophobia reared up mm, mm, mm. and it got dressed up in this other uniform, the uniform of protecting their church from people making fun of them. That's not really what it is. If people, if people were dressed up as nuns who were, um, and by the way, the sisters of perpetual indulgence are women. They're lesbians. They're gay men. They're trans people. They're, uh, a lot of different kinds of people are sisters mm -hmm. of perpetual indulgence. But if they had some assimilationist kind of lay nuns doing good works, they wouldn't have a, a problem with it at all. <clears throat> That's my opinion. 
And so um, I made this documentary. But how did you come to make the documentary? That's what I want. How did they, how did Peter? Right. So so one day I was on Facebook, as one does, and uh, I saw this ad for a uh, party for the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence at Mickey's, a local gay bar here in West Hollywood, where I live. And uh, the uh, sisters had just been disinvited. And I thought, I need to go support them. Funnily Mm. enough, at the start of this year, I decided that I want to be of service to the drag community more. Mm. That just meant show up for events or just applaud them or whatever. That was just an inspiration. And we have these instincts and inspirations, which I personally look at as a higher power working through. Mm. Um, I think that I was sent to that bar that night Mm. to um, be of service to the sisters. And so I shot a little documentary, a mini documentary, pardon me, with Sister Unity, who I've known for a long, long time, at least 24 years. Mm. Um, And we went outside and I shot you know, I said, what's going on? And I filmed it for the intention of being on TikTok. <clears throat> so I put it on TikTok and then I put it on YouTube and it very blatantly says, you know, this is not about denigrating Catholics. This is not about denigrating Catholicism. They, these people are clowns. They mm-hmm. are out there to bring joy, a, and to bring attention and to take donations to the community where it is needed. These resources are needed. This attention is needed. And uh, the documentary was on YouTube. And then suddenly out of the blue, I get an email from PBS NewsHour a few days later. PBS NewsHour wanted to feature it in their news story on this Dodgers Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence thing going on. And so uh, I of course said yes, you know, go ahead. And uh, it was on there. And suddenly it started to bloom. Um, The controversy started to bloom. My interest in doing something more specific started to increase uh, something broader, something more encompassing about the sisters. Now, I'm not saying uh, that I'm making a documentary to show everybody's side of the situation. I am a gay person. I have seen the good works that they do, Mm. and I want to present what they do Mm. in this documentary. Well, um, (laughs) suddenly this uh, priest from Texas decides that he's going to come over to to, uh, Los Angeles and have a march and a protest against the Dodgers and Mm. the Sisters on the night of Pride. Mm. It's Pride Night. That's the very purpose of Pride Night. We've had Pride Night for over a decade now. That was frightening. Not frightening. I think it was pathetic, personally. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but the upshot is that they did have it, and I had two high-def 4K cameras mm. film a protest mm. for the documentary. Mm. And um, uh, I've yet to uh, show the documentary, or uh, actually, I've, I'm still editing it. I can't uh, wait to see it. I'm very well, excited. It's very eye-opening what these people did with that uh, with that protest. Mm. 
first of all, some of them started to turn on each other because they were different religions. Mm. Like, you're not persecuting them right. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. And some of them were saying, you know, the rosary is a craven image. And then the Catholics came over with their rosaries and shook it in his face as if to, you know, exercise them or something. <clears throat> but this, uh, there are people that go around to these different uh, events that they're raising Cain about, let's say, the Satakoy Elementary Pride Day. Right, right. These people from outside show up at these things. They're not even the parents of the Satakoy Elementary people. And they print T-shirts and they give them to the parents to look like they're part of the, the deal. Mm. And they start fist fights. They were uh, starting fights with the LGBTQ parents. Yeah, I saw that. These kids. Uh, and they were, you know, hostile. It's like the brown shirts in the 30s. Uh, exactly. Uh, you know, I'm Jewish. So, I mean, you know, it's a big platform of mine, anti-Semitism. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was shocking. It was really, it's shocking. And during that time between the first thing I shot with the sisters that went on PBS NewsHour out till the actual event. All these events happened in mm, the mm. world leading up to it. And it seemed like this was the tip of the spear. Mm. This event was the tip of the spear. They felt they had a rock-solid reason to justify ho uh, homophobia. Right. And uh, it was just dressed up homophobia. I know, exactly. Now I'm going to say that I have to wrap it up with you, but I want you, please tell me everything about what we can do, where we can see it, what, you know, whatever you want to say to end this incredible interview with you. I'm so grateful you came on. Tell Thank me. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I've got to go fund me for the documentary, which I'll send you the, uh, the uh, QR code for. And, uh, and we can, uh, you know, hopefully, some people that hear this will will make donations, so we can, you know, continue with the process of hiring a, a composer and uh, making sure the post process is done. You know, it's expensive. It's expensive to mix a mix the sound and and do all that. And mm -hmm. you know, I'm just one guy here. You know, I'm not working. So uh, anyway, this is something I'm doing for love, mm -hmm. and sometimes we do things for love because we love the people that we're you know, presenting to the world. And love is love, honey. You know that I'm all about love. And I'm a big ally of LGBTQIA plus and trans youth and so many things that have come up in my life where I can finally bring my TikTok, you know, for a message of love, peace and love. You know that. I do. You're a great, great advocate and a wonderful ally for us. Thank you so much. So, Peter Fitzgerald, if nobody told you they love you today, I love you because you're you. I'm going to close out with thank Aww. you so much. I hope everybody will listen and will donate and, and I, it'll be on Spotify in a little while. So I'm just going to end the session for the both of us. And I love you. I love you too. Love you. Bye. Bye, Mr. Mr. Um, oh, I love that you were in one singular sensation. <laughs> oh, God. To Freddie Liebergall. God bless you, honey. I love you. Bye.
Thanks, Esther. Bye.